So good evening everybody Recognising a lot of bodies in this room And so what we're going to talk about Bodies And what your body would say To you You know I think when we got born There was some There was some potential there For relationship Bodies started to find out you got one look around and see these fingers and you realize they can move and it's kind of cool and uh, you can stand up, walk around and things like that but then after a while you get all these big ideas start getting in the way don't they I think my body would say you know we started out okay but as soon as he started to walk that was when it started to go wrong (laughs) started running around getting caught up with this, that and the other, falling over, hurting himself, broke his nose, you know, wasn't very aware of the body at all, crashing around. Then he started to blame me, said I wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough. So then we had to try to get bigger and stronger. So, you know, do all these exercises, things like that. We were getting, we were just about getting in touch and then Lo and behold, he discovered sex. <laughs> Got more big ideas about where that was going, and <laughs> spent another ten years kind of sort, trying to sort those issues out. <laughs> Which time he discovered drugs. <laughs> so that was that was the end of our relationship. <laughs> And then you got ideas of getting, getting spiritual and getting out of the body altogether and going to some kind of la-la land out in the sky where we wouldn't have to have another body. And he started blaming me for, for aging and death. So it was my idea. <laughs> and he started to impose ideas of meditation on this body. I was going to sit there, it was going to be this way and that way and it was going to concentrate for him it wasn't going to cause him any problems it's a bit of a one way relationship really (laughs) you know I'm always supposed to come up with the goods and not complain and he goes goes off and does what he likes up there in his head Probably then what the thinking mind says, our bodies, you know, who'd have one? Clumsy, awkward, sweaty, hungry, pain, you know. As soon as we can get out of here, the better. This is how the relationship goes wrong, isn't it? Never really learn to listen to each other. Figure out we've got to do this together. <laughs> For a while, we're in this together. <laughs> yeah. But it was the same, same with the Buddha. Yeah. When he started out, thought, you know, this thing's going to die. Aging death, sickness, death, aging, sickness, death. Uh, well, you know, we've got to get out of this. So, those years, um, asceticism beat it down. Mm. and then discover these systems of meditation where you could go into 
sphere of infinite space, sphere of infinite consciousness, and it was legal. <laughs> uh, and then he kept kind of hitting, if you like, the, the, the very fine, the gossamer wires of perception, where you get as fine as you can get these kind of very fine states of neither perception, non-perception, infinite consciousness, nothingness, hitting that stuff. This is nearly there and then crash down again, back into this thing. And uh, fortunately for us, we thought, hmm, I've nearly killed myself, I've nearly killed this body, starved it, stopped breathing. Um, why don't I try to just uh, another attack? Yeah. And this is where, fortunately, awakening began. I'm seeing a kind of sense of coolness and ease in the body, and picking up the sense of coolness and ease, and a kind of gentleness to the body. Begin to recognise a particular quality arises that leads to a deep key to awakening, deeply embedded key to awakening. And he said, um, subsequently, he said, you know, you don't get to the end of suffering till you get to the end of the world. But in this very body, with its consciousness and perceptions and feelings, is the arising of the world, the ending of the world, and beyond, and the path leading to the beyond, in this very body. And maybe the most um, tragic element of the relationship is we've never really learned to listen to the body, we've not only mistreated it, we didn't notice the key, the key in this seemingly closed door of this bodily life which seems so bounded by ending, separation, death. You know, when you look at the door, that's what you see. Really look look carefully enough to see there's a key there, there's a keyhole, you can open that door and walk through. In this very body, with its perceptions, consciousness and feelings, is the world beginning of the world, the ending of the world, the way beyond, and the practice leading there, beyond. Mm. This is the Buddha's meditation. Mm. He said in, uh, so, as he also said, of all, uh, just as all the rivers finally lead into the sea and a cap, all the waters are held in the sea in the great ocean so all states that are conducive to wisdom and awakening all flow into mindfulness of the body everything is held can be held within that frame of reference mindfulness of the body hmm. the key is in there
most of us, there's a challenge very much in the very idea or the conditioned perception we have of what a body is. You, know, you see these, see these forms with your eyes. You see these shapes and forms, and colours and textures with your eyes. You think that's, we think that's a body. It's really, a, it's a visual thing, actually. <clears throat> so the key, or one of the ways in which we begin to understand the keys to awakening is this is a very direct, intimate, here and now, subjective experience. And when you here and now, intimately, know the body with the body, know the body in the body, know the body within its own frame of reference, what do you have? How does the body know it's there? How do we know we have a body? And you come up to sensations, feelings, rhythms, warmth, pressure, movement. Hmm. Who's that? How old is it? What sex is it? Nationality is it? Warmth, pressure, movement, solidity. Called the four elements. This is what, when we experience the body in the body's own term, we come up, we begin to sensitize to something that's pretty universal, pretty fundamental, and also not got a lot of personhood to it. It's intimate. In fact, it's more intimate than a lot of our personality. As you probably recognize, most of the personality is something that grows over time at the interface of meeting other people, at culture, what your culture, society, your family, your friends, the responses, all the highly detailed responses and signaling and gestures and, and... conversational gambits and um, movements that have been okayed. That's that's what's our interface, isn't it? The bits that aren't okay, we keep them quiet, (laughs) if we can. (laughs) Sometimes they burst out. Mostly it's the, you know, you could say the personality creates a kind of shadow of the bits that we are not okay in one's society, in one's culture, in one's group. Yeah. And so a lot of the time there's a, some conflict between one's, if you like, outer self and inner self. Mm. And there are um, energies and moods and areas that just, they don't fit the public domain. They, and yet, are they outlawed? We experience them, but they don't fit. They are, they're not okay, they're wild, they're um, intense, they're confused, they're passionate, they're not ordered. Uh, what do you do with that? Mm. So this mind, or the dimensions of mind, 
become uh, a problem for us or something that actually spurs us to inquiry and what we are encouraged to do is to begin to access the body in its simple primary states for both the perspective it can give us on the mind and the kind of awareness that can embrace and heal and balance and listen and discharge the confusions of the mind based on the body you probably realize when you think about your mind that's just more stuff you know you just add another layer of thoughts and whatever that contains and what your most a lot of one's thinking comes from the same place as the personality we think the right wrong good bad uh, shame proud um, thought messages that we pick up from around us so we end up kind of internalizing a lot of the values and judgments of the world in terms of our own thinking or if we relate to it emotionally you can if you're very skillful you can experience some compassion and some spaciousness around the mind states but it's also the case that mind is very resonant which is both its gift and its disadvantage because you start to get upset about being upset and you start to be annoyed about being upset about being upset and you get fed up with being annoyed about being upset about being upset then you get kind of irritated about that and you feel you know oh, just change to something else will you you know <laughs> think of something else go somewhere else you know, so the, the, the mind itself the effective mind the heart uh, can resonate and produce so many resonances that you get into a kind of a white noise almost there's so much feedback loops about how you feel 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 about enough so then we you know, then you get this, the jump because you, know, you just jump out of that piece of territory that awkward piece of territory you just jump out of it to put something go to another channel and some you know where I feel okay or feel happy or I maybe try and concentrate and sort of squash it all down into shape so the relationship of the mind to itself is perhaps too close to give the sense of perspective and ease so body is actually very close when you begin to experience the body internally as warmth and pressure and movement and solidity and uh, energies moving through your body and breathing in and breathing out you begin to you know you're very much recommended to start to notice the mind state just in terms of how it's how it's rippling your pond how it's moving your breathing how your breathing and your mind are connected how your energies in your body are connected how do you get angry you can feel the heat rise how do you get frustrated but it's kind of tightening around your chest when you feel depressed you get a sinking sense in your body 
a lot of our needs that we start to express are strange when you listen to them you think the mind is purely an immaterial ghost purely made up thoughts and feelings you know, I'd like to feel really solid yeah, solid I need some space space uh, I feel kind of warm about things warm <laughs> or if we're totally, that leaves me completely cold cold <laughs> warm, cold, what's this got to do with your mind yeah. Yeah. that really shook me up yeah. I'm looking for some stillness what are you talking about? I'm talking body language because interestingly enough when we start to try to really you know, get a hold of what's happening colloquially in a vernacular intimate sense to ourselves we get a gut feel and we start to experience the mind at least refer to the mind in very much more tangible material substantial senses then we feel we can understand it understand it in ways that don't just send me spinning out because I'm a Capricorn with Taurus rising and five planets in Virgo and my mother was a da 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 and we, here we go you know. instead I just feel kind of uh, up in my head right now uh-huh. uh, I feel all choked up in my throat <laughs> so, so we just, you know the body begins to tell us in its own language give us a reference to what's going on there's a key to how we can uh, handle the mind ease the mind, encourage the mind, release the mind brighten the mind, gladden the mind and liberate the mind Mm. Mm. often when we um, meditate we kind of come from our thought idea of the body so you know you focus breathing in breathing out you know well, breathing in breathing out that's sort of something that my nose does to my lungs isn't it yeah <laughs> seems accurate enough because <laughs> you know you go to basic biology and they draw the human body a couple of sacks in a chest and a little passageway you know that's it that's breathing so we kind of you know from the outside you can see that's what's happening to people or you get an idea that you bung the nose up it doesn't happen anymore so you think that's, that's breathing till you uh, so we can actually start to place that perception onto our bodies of this is all this is it and then we get a word like concentration concentration is kind of tighten up concentration for most people means furrow furrow your forehead a little tighten your eyes a bit get serious, get intense it might, probably going to hurt a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and and it does (laughs) we think we should do it though because it says so do it 
we only have these kind of head, these abstract ideas of terms. We don't really under- get to understand what the body's like. You know, like when you're uh, when you when you're skiing. You know, you're concentrated in your body. You're not going anywhere else. Which bit are you concentrated in? One leg, nose, or just the whole thing? Feeling the balance, tuned to the movement. Mm. Why do we enjoy things like that? Why do we enjoy walking in wilderness when you have to be aware of everything and yet not preoccupied with anything? The sense of just coming into your body and picking up the bodily intelligence, the sensations and feelings and the environment around you. And you feel very centered and calm and alert in that. This is called concentration. It's a different way of looking at it. So we begin to just you know, put aside the idea of the body as being a, a kind of lump of meat, the, the gas tank, or the vehicle that your mind drives, drives around, gets the meditation, plunks it down on the cushion, sits it there for a while, tries to make it get into some approximate state of order so that I can have my spiritual experience <laughs> thing doesn't really like it very much but you know, hold it there and then ring the bell and the thing gets up somewhat relieved and lumbers out and then it's taken off to the next destination you know, driven to the next place put through some other movements or another this is the wrong relationship to body this means we're never really in our bodies fully in our bodies we kind of sit on top of them and refer to them when it's necessary in order to do what I want to do and probably one of the most apparent features of say city life, modern life is how disembodied it is you get up in the morning, clock, radio, stick the iPod in your ear. Um, you know, we're already somewhere else. The idea of getting out the door to where you need to go, you know, and then the body is just the thing, the, op- the, the foot is just the thing that operates a gas pedal, and, you know, that, that's about it. You put the body in a way where you can't feel as little as possible of it, put it in some kind of chair, stick it behind a wheel, plug things into it, get it to push buttons, get it to work, get an elevator, get it behind a desk, dump it there while you get on with your work, through your, on your screen, in your head, you know, pushing buttons, um, so forth. Uh, the, the, you know, the body is just something we kind of very fundamentally checking, very basically checking in a, in a skimpish way in order to just transport our heads to another place. <laughs> and if you don't need to be with it, then get out of it 
to the music, the sound, the screen, the sight, the thought, the project. And you recognize most of that mind is just continually on the roll to driven along by the motivation to achieve, to get somewhere, to make something happen, to, to have something happen in the future or to prevent something happening in the future, to get away from being where we are right now, in the present. Mm-hmm. It's rolling like that. The body is a kind of an, an impediment sometimes. It's slowness. The way, you know, it's slow heavy Mm. so a lot of modern life is really a disembodied experience and celebrated for that you don't have to be held into this but part one of the effects of disembodiment is where we are predominantly pursuing phantoms, possibilities of the future, things on graphs, uh, accounts, uh, you know, what could happen, visions of security, perceptions of happiness, you know, meaningful things. You know, containing a lot of meaning, but they're always somewhat delayed from realization because the mind is rolling on and creating ideas and impressions and hungers for them. But the ability for the mind to actually appreciate and take in what's already here becomes less and less the more disembodied we get. And the, because as the more disembodied we get, the more restless the mind gets. It hasn't got anywhere to land. So it's moving through thoughts and feelings and ideas and uh, you know, those kinds of qualities. So we come to meditate. And then we have another idea about meditation. So we have the, on the, the set of ideas and moods and feelings that we had already and then put another set of ideas and moods and perceptions on top of that and call it meditation. Uh, <laughs> you know, how we get calm or steady or relaxed or peaceful and so forth. Uh, and haven't actually dealt with the basic thing of is there any place for your mind to land do you expect it to land without having a place to do so? Do you expect it to calm down when you haven't actually created any, any situation for it to rest in? You know? And this is where we are se- severely at, uh, uh, challenged if we haven't had a body reference. Body is when we begin to experience it more intimately, it's not just a, a dead thing. It's not just meat and bones. Well, it's intelligent. 
it's energetic, it's dynamic you can feel it, it pulses, it moves it senses, it flows it feels, it tingles it adjusts if you go to the body you'll find where does it feel tense as soon as you find out where it feels tense you can sense something and you want to just relax that place Mm. so it is an uh, an intelligence based upon uh, very basic energies in fact intelligence is energy energy, how, how we know anything is because of the movement of energy to touch it, feedback from it it's like when energy feeds back when it moves out, touches something and comes back it goes out, touches something and comes back goes out, touches something and comes back you get a feedback loop and you begin to learn so the very movement of energy you know, as it moves through the body informs the mind as it moves around, creates or stimulates intelligence, we start to learn how things actually feel. Without that movement, without that energy, there is no, there's no intelligence. Intelligence is energy. Awareness has got an energetic basis. It, it spreads, it gathers, it touches, it feels, it suffuses. It resonates. It pauses. It holds. It's just, you know, this is all the, the intelligence of awareness. This is what we can begin to understand very sim- very basically when we start to enter the body through its own energetic nature. It's the kind. It's the piece of culture, the piece of knowledge, the piece of you might say spiritual technology that is so predominant in the East and so forgotten basically in the West. What we've maybe started to learn in the past generation or so if we looked and listened to Eastern technologies yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, these things we begin to, from that, learn about the body as not just something that's separate from the mind but something that is um, bonded to the mind the body the body as an energetic form as a form of intelligence and awareness is uh, has the quality to govern the mind to ground the mind to steady the mind to soothe the mind to brighten the mind to release the mind when we do standing meditation we start this evening just doing some standing meditation what's it like to stand without going anywhere without you know, perhaps it's unusual at first uncomfortable even, feel slightly disoriented Uh, just tuning in to the sense of balance what balance feels like when there's no pressure or the only pressure that you're experiencing is not a pressure of tension, of holding, but a pressure of being held, being supported by the ground beneath you. And you get the sense of the tuning in to what can create, what can help us to find balance. And the wonderful realization that mostly 
it's about letting go it's about appreciating what is already present and letting go of what you don't need this is the quality of and there's a lovely spaciousness about that This is, a, this is a primary bodily sense, primary body intelligence, the sense of balance, the vestibular sense. And you also have the kinesthetic sense, which is that sense of mobility, being able to, how the body coordinates its movements, how we want to move an arm or a leg. A whole set of muscles come into play, or brighten up, or relax, even in subtle movements when you're breathing in and breathing out, for example. If you try to work out how to do it, you know, how to, you know, how to relax your chest, how to operate the belly, how to get the diaphragm to lift, it'd be a very complex coordinating program. And yet, from the kinesthetic sense, the sense of movement, the body knows exactly what to do, it always does it perfectly. Yeah. it never mistakes breathing in for breathing out which gets it exactly right it doesn't try to breathe in you know, except by opening the belly and the chest that may not seem that you know, amazing except that all of this is <clears throat> as you start to tune in to this, this quality of, of intelligence that is unforced you're not having to figure it or work it out whereas the mind can be left free from that responsibility so that it can just sit back and rest and enjoy the body intelligence and this is the process that leads to what the Buddha called samadhi which is translated as concentration collectedness, gathered together in one place, settled a settledness that is based upon ease relaxation not upon the mind holding something down but about the body taking taking, uh, taking over balanced steady body state taking over and the mind realizing you can trust this relax, sit back there's nothing to do witness that, enjoy it this is what the Buddha said, the Buddha's realization of samadhi was of this kind this is the kind of samadhi that he tuned into, that led directly to his own full awakening as it's described in the suttas, he says it's not like I was imagining a time when I was just a child sitting under a tree cool of the tree in the heat with no particular aims or impressions in my mind my father was sort of nearby ploughing I felt safe you know, protected I felt comfortable I felt at ease sitting there I felt happy and I did, so I started to tune into that quality of, of stillness and stability accompanied by ease and trust and a sense of safety as in, like a child through the body before the big ideas began before the big philosophies kicked in before the massive personality programs got going 
and the doubts and the hesitations and the compulsions and the drives and the ought to's and the shouldn'ts and the I never and I ought to and I don't get and so forth before let's started mm. and somewhere in all of us there's that possibility to go back to go back to start again to start the relationship again uh, and uh, so that's the beauty of that embodiment is that it's very forgiving you know you can start again you can come back to it and it happens by itself it's already there the body intelligence is already there you don't learn it you don't study it you don't get it from somebody else you don't get it from a book you don't learn it at college or school you don't to go to the east to learn it you don't have to go to a meditation centre to learn you've already got it you may need some of these places to remind you of it but it's right in there that's the key Mm. as this balance sense the movement sense and also the body body sense has another sense which is just like a a core a sense of hmm this is where I am this is where I am I don't know who I am or why I am but I know where I am here this here and perhaps to know where we are is more important to know than to know who we are or why we are or who we're going to be or why we are the way we are and how we're going to change into something else that we should be these are the, ki- these are the topics of the head body doesn't bother with that just says, well, whoever you are whatever you are whyever you are here you are <laughs> isn't that enough? Isn't that, just get that in place before we start putting the rest of it on board and see how much rest of it you need really <laughs> it addresses very um, fundamental needs and interests that we all have all sentient beings have these same fundamental needs and interests one is to feel safe one is to have some ground find a place to stand or sit my place, here I am it doesn't fall away, it's steady I'm okay and the other is uh, I get my food here I get my feel good here I get my happy my happiness comes here we want to feel safe stable steady we want to feel happy Mm. if you look at your dog probably much the same basket, bone happy dog (laughs) (laughs) I imagine you know chipmunks the same with their nests go out they know where they are. Yeah. They're very fundamental needs, 
and these kind of percolate up through the mind into the mind and the mind proliferates and complicates these doesn't quite know how to address this stuff from itself alone I want to be happy yeah really want to be happy so what out there is going to make me happy <laughs> how can I what I need to do or to have or to be I want to be a happy person cheerful, bright, confident, assured person rich, confident, happy, assured person <laughs> yeah that sounds good and so forth popular, rich, happy, assured, <laughs> confident person you know, so it gets complicated doesn't it yeah. we get into the uh, what are called the worldly dumbers praise, blame, I want the praise I don't want the blame I want the gain, I don't want the loss I want the being given positive attention, I don't want to be given negative attention or given no attention I want the positive attention, then I'll be alright I'll be happy then you notice uh, however that when people get the positive attention they that's nice, they just need a little bit more <laughs> and when you get some gain, that's fine you know, I want to make sure I've got some plenty of gain so I have some in the bank, you know, for time to get tough and you know and uh, you get some happiness and then I want to make sure I've got lots of it yeah. and the mind really doesn't know, doesn't because a lot of this stuff is really psychological, isn't it? Like praise, blame, gain, loss, these are success, failure. These are psychological interpretations of happiness. Like, you know, things that will make us feel happy. And yet the search for them and uh, measuring of them and the trying to make sure they come our way and defending ourselves against the opposite makes us less than happy, makes us very impatient, demanding, nervous, uptight, you know, defensive, comparing ourselves with others. I got some attention but she got even more. Hey, she doesn't deserve it. <laughs> You know, we start, the mind starts operating like that, like who's right, who's wrong, and so on. And so it, it, the mind, even though it's, it's got the right message, you know, nothing wrong, we want to be happy, it doesn't know how to really get there and stay there very, very well. Because the mind has got no ability to. Um, from its own creations, its own it formulates and creates things. It doesn't actually drink things in. For that, you need a, you need an embodied awareness, something where you can actually let that go down into your nerves, you know, into your nerve endings, down to where you can relax, where you can be still, where you feel comfortable in yourself, where you feel settled in yourself. And that's your bodily sense your bodily awareness, your bodily intelligence knows that but that actually is not so difficult when you know that the Buddha said you can do this just you sit down somewhere and you know, bring your body into a balanced upright state breathe in and breathe out 
feel that. Don't make you happy. But really, let you know. Just be. Let the body do that. Don't think. All right, now I'm going to get my happiness. Okay. Which part of the breathing? How good do I have to do it to get happy? How long do I have to do it to get happy? What kind of way I'm going to do it to make it happy? You know, the mind starts deciding it's going to meditate, and the body's going to, you know, sit and let me meditate. And does somebody got the message that what you need to do, mind, is just, you know, just shut up, will you? <laughs> Step back, get out of the way, and let the body breathe. And just you know, feel what it is really to breathe without making um, a special effort. Feel, just get more and more tuned in to how the breath. Breathing is an energy that moves through the whole body. Fortunately, a lot more breathes when you breathe than just your nose. Otherwise, the rest of your body would wither away by now. Fortunately, when we breathe in, all that energy that's drawn in is suffused through the entire body. The whole body gets it. And you actually allow yourself to, to um, tune into that. You can begin to feel when you breathe in, there's a flushing, a swelling, a suffusion. When you breathe out, there's a, there's a refreshment, a cleaning, a relaxing. And it occurs through the whole form, whole bodily form, centered around this movement that you can sense in your body. Um, and part of the pleasure is just how little it takes and how you, you just have to downshift a little. Downshift in terms of the demand. Downshift in terms of the uh, controlling. Downshift in terms of the making it happen. And just get the humility of experiencing the body in its own, fully in its own terms. Then we get to feel happy. And uh, you realize, hey, you can do this uh, many places. You can breathe in and breathe out. Many places you can sit still. And the Buddha said, well, if you, you, know, you can stand or walk, same thing, lie down. If you can do that, you can get to feel happy, centering in the, in the energies in the body. Because that's what it all comes down to, happiness is comes through the nervous system. It's not a thought, it's not a philosophy, it's not an ideolo- ideology. It's just, you could say that, very crudely speaking, the hard wiring is just chemicals moving around you through your nerve endings. Mm. And breath does that by itself. And you get to feel grounded. Because when you are happy or contented in that, you settle down. <coughs> and the mind starts to downshift its programs. So we start to settle and get simpler and more peaceful and steadier in ourselves. There are particular pieces of um, awareness that you learn from the body particular <coughs> modes 
words, particular pieces of intelligence that awareness gives you, body awareness gives you. <coughs> the first piece is ground and space. Ground and space. Body intelligence gives you ground and space. It means you feel as a sense of a center, a firmness, a central axis or a pole or a central place where you feel mm. steady. And that operates, or that becomes apparent in relationship to the sense of having space. <coughs> it means you don't feel oppressed, you don't feel constricted, you don't feel trapped. So when you come into your, your body, you, in terms of practice, meditation practice, you, you, you have to do both. If you feel, if you just center without acknowledging space around you, then the centering is generally accompanied by a certain grip or, or, or tension. Such as when you go to a meditation center, there's 50 other people sit in the room and something in one goes, wants to shut down from what's around me. There's other humans, there's beings, there's breathers, there's sniffers, there's coppers, there's twitchers, there's people with Velcro. Enemies, evildoers. <laughs> Shut them out. Get off my planet. <laughs> so, when you do that, you know, you get a, there's a certain, you know, firmness, but the firmness is held. And so, you're always kind of, there's a sense of defending. As you get up, you know, don't notice, don't see, don't watch, you know, get out my way. You know. Somebody bends down to pick up their shoes, and you have to navigate that. Um, and sound impingement is, um, you know, can send one into states of fury because you're you're not allowing, don't have that sense of allowing space. Try to shut it off. So you get a ground. You do get a centered sense, but there's no sense of space. Therefore, the centered sense is defensive or held or tight. You get a sense of space with no centre, then it's kind of, you know, it's sort of open and free, but at the same time, you get shredded. You know, so you're, you're out there in this open state, but you've got no centre, so um, you've got nothing to really hold or um, stabilise or measure, like. You, you know how much, how you know what is in the space. How do I actually relate to what's in the space? So when we just have an openness with no centrality to it, then what happens uh, is that we get get psychologically abused or um, just shredded by impingement. The center provides a kind of uh, a place of instability. And the space provides the sense of openness and ease. Two work together, ground and space. As you find your center, you're aware of the space around you. And the space around you is not the sight, not the sound, not the smell, not, but it's, the, it's one inch, two inches. It's the recognition from the surface of your skin there's no pressure here. 
and you begin to get that sense of how your your you know your awareness can can come out through your body steadily, peacefully, because it's not leaving your body. You're not losing your center. You're extending from the center in this, into the space around you without <coughs> without losing your center. And then you know you can you've got something that <coughs> remains as a kind of an, atten- an, an awareness, but also a filtering of how much sensory activity do I want to get involved with? How much seeing, touching, thinking, tasting? Because you, know? you, you have a space that's not of that nature. You have a space of awareness. And then you, you can rest in that space of awareness. And that space of awareness, you've got some sense of this seeing or this touching or this tasting is accompanied by unskillful intentions but just let it go so you, you, you know, but it doesn't mean you're closing down it means you've got somewhere being aware without being involved or caught up with what is happening around you that's what you get ground and space through the body and it comes down to this wonderful sense of balance when your mind begins to tune into that it takes on that characteristic. It becomes both centered and spacious. You know where you are. And you're not in New York, America, this room. Visually you are, maybe. You could say that. But you're in your own space which is uh, free wherever you are when you go out across that and start to wrangle with or tangle with or you know get or crave for what you see and hear and take then you lose the space you jump across it lose it and we think we are in the seen in the heard in the touched in the tasted which would be great if we were, but as you recognise, as you grasp the scene, it kind of doesn't quite get there. It doesn't quite fill you up. You grasp the herd and it sort of flitters past, and you grasp the touch and it doesn't quite land because it's all incredibly vivid and interesting, but finally you don't quite get it. It's insubstantial not self another sense that we get through um, body is um, rhythm rhythm and, and pausing this helps us to understand the nature of things things flow things pulse things go up and they go down they rise they pass they move, they change. When you really, you can understand this from the pulses in your body, the pulses in your blood, the, pul- the rhythm of your breathing, the rhythms of your body energies from the morning to the evening, how it flows, you know, it changes. And you begin to tune into, this is the way things actually are. They're not there and gone. They're kind of coming into being and passing. 
down to this flow nature and you begin to relate and adapt to that that is moving in, moving out you get a kind of rhythmic sense which is very um, harmonious these two qualities rhythm and ground space are what we begin to tune into and the great possibility then becomes the ability to develop a, a mind that can suffuse it can spread it can take a center and it can rhythmically pulse and suffuse the body it can suffuse the space it can, suff- it can sweep it can massage um, the mind when it, the, well the intelligence of awareness is essentially a suffusive quality it's not a lump it's not encased it, it has no particular form it blends it saturates, it permeates that gives it its, its healing nature because of this quality we're able to heal the constrictions and the tensions in the body-mind because what we begin to um, or must tune into is because the, whether we understood it or not there always has this been relationship between body and mind and all of the <coughs> struggles of the mind get lodged in terms of bodily tension uh, uh, physiological stress <coughs> nervous tension, nervous stress and uh, as you meditate one of, the e- one of the most thorough ways of clearing out the uh, psychological uh, dis-ease is to refer to how you feel it in your body you feel the the tension, you feel the fear places, you feel the numb places and you start to suffuse with loving kindness and suffuse with ease with no real need to analyze or understand but just to heal as we heal our body-mind there is a sense of freedom there is a sense of release from the past freedom from the constrictions freedom from the limitations that that we've got caught in we tune into the sense of release from that there is a knowing of what can be released the flavor of release and what it is that is released this is the chitta, the awareness that can be released and it's in this body-mind where they meet and support and relate to each other that we begin to find that this is where the world begins this is where it's held this is where it's released and this is the practice that releases it so thank you everybody <laughs> <laughs> and I'll stop there for tonight <laughs>